This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Because if you don't know your history, you don't know your future. And your future is to be what happened the early days under Martin and Jimmy Murphy without doubt and, and, and telling them that what Jimmy did about planting seeds of the, the history that is the most important thing you can do with young players coming to my United tell them what the, their expectation is to realise the expectation this is what for a point for my United there's no point for Bolton Wonders or Burry or, or Rochdale it's a point for the biggest club in the world So, Paddy, um, a theme of my introductions to these shows has, has been, oh, it's been the darkest before the dawn, and then there's been yeah. a little bit of light. There was a light at the end of the 1990 season with the FA Cup, and then I said it again with the 91. Um, obviously, yeah. we won the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, that's the introduction to this. But there is a certain darkness to this, even though United come as close as they ever have um, to winning a league title in 25 years. Um, I guess to start with the idea of... Um, United, uh, there was a strong belief in that squad that they were the best team in Europe after beating Barcelona. Um, yeah, and you know, I'm not saying that they were right. Obviously, they weren't. Um, but they had that belief, they had that self belief, which had certainly been a missing ingredient um, for for yeah. a long time. And they had to prove that they were the best in England now. Um, and that was the that was the um, task for Ferguson this season, wasn't it? We've covered yeah. this period. Um, yeah. Both of us have covered it. You would covering it live and obviously retrospectively mm-hmm. in, in your books and you know the work that I've done on it and I just I can't believe that we get to this period. It's twenty five years, you know, twenty five mm, years yeah. is gone. It, it seemed that this might be the year, you know, a nice round figure, quarter of a century, and so on. Uh, you know, for people who you know who you had Manchester United at their heart. But the interesting thing was that the um, every time you looked at the perch. Which, which Ferguson had wanted to knock Liverpool off, there was a different team on the perch. Yeah. I mean, the, there's, there was Arsenal on the perch, um, and now we had the upstarts from the second division, from the championship, Leeds United, who, you know, in common with, you know, Forrest before them and, and, and others, had come out of the lower division uh, with no, no, no sense of consolidation and, and started winning, uh, you know, threatening to win things. And Leeds were uh, definitely an example of this. I mean, they had uh, uh, Strachan, of course, was, was, was a key player. 
Uh, Howard Wilkinson was the manager. Strachan had won Footballer of the Year, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in '91, and um, uh, you know, so they were they were they knew you know as as Fergie looked at the at the perch, bugger me if a if a white dove hadn't settled on it. So uh, um, yeah, it was uh, certainly a competitive era. Um, but there was the, the the thing now was that United were had the perch within grasping distance. I mean, you you made the point that the previous two seasons had ended in a trophy. Um, no spoiler on this one. I'm not telling you whether we win a whether you win a trophy <laughs> or not. Um, but uh, certainly, you're in the mix for every domestic trophy to some extent. So. You're expected to challenge for them. That's the key. None of this, uh, you know, 11th one year, 6th the next, back down, none of that. The team is on an upward trajectory. Everybody at Old Trafford knows it. The wider world doesn't. Um, But uh, there's definitely a clue in a a really good title race, uh, which you will now relate. Yeah, absolutely. What I find perhaps the the most compelling... um, comparison between United and Leeds from this season is that in what Ferguson had been building towards this point so the six years he's been in charge mm-hmm. is at some point I don't want this to sound it's it's going to sound like I'm insulting what he did but I'm really not he he took the sort of fragments of what was behind the personality aspects of Manchester United and he mm. he'd taken that away and replaced it with um, a very good side that was better than any that um, that have succeeded mm-hmm. the Busby era, but but they were lacking that kind of personality in the way that Leeds had it. And you know, like we mentioned Wimbledon in a previous episode, mm-hmm. and Wimbledon are a great example of a team that overachieved mm-hmm. because of the fact they they played at Plough Lane or Sellers Park, and they they were horrible to play against, but they they thrived on that sense of identity, and that's what Leeds had. They had a personality about them, um, you know. You meant, and I think it really does come into play. We'll talk about the influence of a certain individual, but yeah, I sense an elephant in the room. Yeah, a, but, a French elephant. But there's also anyway, a, a Scottish elephant in the room. <laughs> uh-huh. like you, you mentioned at Strachan there, and I know we'll, yeah. we'll talk about Leeds later on. But the the idea that was under Sergeant Major Howard Wilkinson. Yeah. Leeds were relentlessly fit. And yes. that is a, a prominent theme that played throughout both of these sides' um, campaigns. Um, but yeah, United looking for a sense of identity. Again, that um, comparison to the Busby era. Um, we mentioned um, Sir Matt at the end mm. of the previous season because he was very much involved in uh, the celebrations in Rotterdam and, and the um, proceedings in Rotterdam uh, before yeah. the game as well. Um, yep. Before the, the season began, the week before the season began, there's a testimonial at Old Trafford. United played against the Republic of Ireland eleven uh, before the game. Two hours before the game, uh, seven aside kick around with um, some of the sixty-eight side and a, and a, te- a city representative team. Um, the fans were already in the ground to watch George Best and Bobby Charlton turn out another time in um, in red. And Busby's quote after this game was just astronomically superb. Um, my mind, fittingly, <laughs> astronomic. My mind was up somewhere out in space, waltzing with my heart. 
he just had this one like you like yourself Paddy sometimes I can just <laughs> love the way that you guys it uh, must be a Scottish trait the sort of vocabulary yeah. and diction he was just oh, he, he was such a great this. such a great orator wasn't he Busby yes um, yes yes he was and maybe some of the magic of of his friend Hugh McIlvanny yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe the greatest journalist of the post-war era in this country who sadly died in 2019 but um, Hugh he was very friendly with Hugh so maybe a, a little bit of the lyricism of that <clears throat> may have worn off but uh, rubbed off should I say but uh, yes it, it must have been a, a great experience it is one of those we talk about testimonial games and mm-hmm. yes it, well, I mean I think the game finished 1-1 in the end um, people more interested in watching the Obviously, they're watching the before event, uh, but they're also watching the new players that United have signed. Curious to ah. see how um, these new signings. And we talked about in the last episode how, mm. um, and again, it comes back to this personality thing. Really, that they're trying to establish this kind of personality, this kind of style of the team playing. Mm. And um, I'm not saying that the team didn't have characters; it was jam packed of them. I think they were just trying to establish their unit, their personality as a unit, and. Certainly a couple of, um, well, one massive personality came in in, in the form of Peter Schmeichel, the yes. Danish goalkeeper. Um, and again, uh, harking back to the Busby era, Busby signed two goalkeepers um, yes. that had a distinct personality that shaped the team's success. Harry Gregg was one, he, he yes. revolutionised goalkeeping because he's sort of, well, at United, he revolutionised goalkeeping because he moved forward 20 yards mm, and he, right. he took the play forward 20 yards and Stepney came in and he was, it's the calmness and the distribution which became a big factor. Schmeichel had that, he had all of that and mm. um, he had his mistakes in him but he had a presence that... Um, yes. Schmeichel was the Harry Gregg of uh, was Ferguson's Harry Gregg. Yes, I think that's that's fair to say. Better goalkeeper than Harry, I think, because Harry suffered from back trouble. That was a. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to mix a. a, a I was about to say we, we the worst of... the worst mixed metaphor of all time is back <laughs> trouble was his Achilles heel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, no, Schmeichel. Uh, definitely would be an argument and an arg- in the envelope for the greatest Manchester United goalkeeper ever. He didn't look like that straight away, but Ferguson knew he would. Um, There's a sort of well-known story of when he went to Denmark to meet him finally after um, Alan Hodgkinson, the uh, specialist goalkeeper coach, had watched him about ten times playing for Bromby. And... Uh, when he went out, uh, Ferguson told the story of how he, he reached out his hand and, and, and Schmeichel's handshake nearly <laughs> nearly cracked him up. Um, but uh, he, he thought, this boy will do for me. And, 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 and after a few early struggles, uh, just adjusting to the, to the English game, you know, he became the, the best sort of half million pound signing, you know, um, you could ever wish for. Um, another one that I'd like to, well, another two I'd like to mention. Yeah, you can never go wrong with a bit of pace. And 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 how about this for a forward and a defender, Andre Kincelskis, uh and Paul Parker. Hmm. That, um, right, that I mean, right side that we talked about oh, in the last episode. Wow, you wouldn't want to be a left-sided opponent having hmm. to chase those two. So, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, 
Konchelskis uh, took took us back to the Busby era. We've we've spoken a lot, uh, you know, over various uh, channels about how Ferguson's towering achievement was to recreate Busbyism, if you like, you know, to recreate mm. the Busby principles on which Manchester United, the modern Manchester United, is founded. And here was a great example. Already there were gigs and Sharp on one. Uh, able to play on one wing or either if you really needed Sharp to play on the right. Um, and now Konchelskis, two of the three of the of the of the of the quickest wingers you could uh, you could find. And suddenly we were back in the era of Delaney and Mitten, you know, post-war. Yeah. And uh, so the, the the traditions were being upheld with a vengeance. Uh, Manchester United would attack on a broad front. Konchelskis looked a wee bit all pace and not a lot of guile at, at first um, but of course you know we now recognize that he was a he was a, a player who was to keep defenses stretched um, pretty well all the time he was at Old Trafford yeah can tell he speak. was <clears throat> Sorry, yes, go on. No, it's just I think you're right. The people remember the last eighteen months and how brilliant he was. But I think mm. yeah, for the first sort of six, six or seven months, he was like a giraffe just being born, learning mm-hmm. his legs in a uh-huh. little, little way. That's yeah. right. He came from Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, you know, at a time when Shakhtar were not uh, one of Europe's, you know, perennially um, admired teams as they are now, and. Um, uh, and yes, it was a, it was a bit, of a bit of a culture shock. But we, of course, another point it was that foreign players were still relatively rare. I mean, we we're, were talking about two of three key signings. Yeah. Um, you know, people who relegated the likes of Michael Phelan and 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 Clayton Blackmore to the to to the status of squad players. Um, and two out of the three are are foreign players. But there were only about a dozen foreign players in the whole league. Um, and it's quite interesting to note that <clears throat> although Konchelskis is, uh, well, he was a, so, uh, a, a Russian international, I think, but he, he was from, uh, yeah, came from Ukraine, but uh, yeah. um, he was actually one, the agent who first showed uh, Ferguson pictures, uh, videos of Konchelskis was Runa Hauga, who is, is sort of probably best remembered now as um, uh, the guy who was involved in the George Graham Bond case. But uh, he actually was uh, very much a leader in bringing the foreign foreign player. Schmeichel, I'm sure, would have been involved coming from Scandinavia because Hauga um, was a Norwegian. And, uh, you know, an awful lot of the foreign players who came, who came in in the first wave uh, were from uh, we're from Scandinavia. Indeed, the two, uh, the two deals that caused the temporary downfall of George Graham um, were for uh, uh, Lydersen and uh, Jensen, you know, yeah. the, who came in to Arsenal. So, uh, Hauger was was quite influential, really, in the in in the in the in the initial wave of uh, of foreign players into English football. And Ferguson, as always, was on the crest of that. That wave, uh, making the two really landmark signings in Schmeichel and Kanchelskis. Yeah, Kanchelskis, um, a great player and a great talent. Um, yeah. And um, funnily enough, you talk about all these interlocking 
um, threads really and, and Kanchelskis' yeah. arrival at United came with a translator who, yeah. who would become crucial in the um, recruit of another uh, and sort of settlement of another yeah. another player the, in the, the late uh, George Scanlon yeah. yes um, from uh, from from Merseyside yeah. uh, I knew George very well in fact George it was the man who I, I, I didn't do much in my career but I did get the only exclusive interview with uh, with Eric Cantona when he came to Manchester United <laughs> and that was arranged through George who as you rightly said um, was the man tasked with uh, making sure that everything was okay uh, for Eric living in his yeah. uh, modest semi in Worsley as I recall yeah in fact that's where we met we, we didn't go to the house we went to a little hotel just off the circular motorway yeah. at Worsley. You probably know what it's called. But yeah, it's, anyway. it's currently barking a noise down um, down my throat because we live next to it. So, oh really? <laughs> <laughs> down, down my throat, down my ears. I should say. Yeah, um, but at this time, George was um, facilitating a transfer of Eric to a different place in the northwest, and United were doing quite well. They started the season very well, scoring a lot of goals. Um, that wing element of Ryan Giggs who'd emerged at the back end of the previous season and Kanchelskis um, was really really flourishing United were showing a lot of speed um, it was presenting space for McLaren Hughes to score a few goals as well um, yeah. so they were playing really well um, they came up against um, Red Star Belgrade in November 1991 um, oh, well I mean Milan had played a friendly at United um, a little while before this, and Milan had been brilliant. They played United off the park. Um, the all the players had remarked about how the pitch resembled a cabbage patch, and Milan were just flicking it up and volleying it around because, <laughs> because they could do that. And he was like, "Oh my god, this is the level that we need to get to." But um, in terms of competitive games, I think Red Star um, and you know United players were believing that they were the best t- team in Europe. But then they came up against a Red Star Belgrade. I mean. Um, I've seen some lucky wins for United in my time. Uh, I think Manchester United won um, Red Star Belgrade nil in November 1991. It's mm. probably the luckiest. Um, they were a great side, Red Star. This is just were before they the break. Were they the European champions still at that time? Yeah, yeah, the, been, yeah. Because they because that's how they qualified for the Super Cup. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the team of of Mihailovic. Was he playing? And yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a good team. I, the the final in which they won it was a was a squib, damp squib, but um, no, no, they had they had wonderful team, wonderful team. Uh, I, they had a sweeper called Belladici, yeah, um, who's the only player who has won the European, who's become a European champion twice for two different clubs under two different names. Because <laughs> he changed when he went to Bucharest, he changed his name to Bella de Dich. He took the eye off his name, <laughs> and uh, so he's won. Uh, that is, it's a good one for you. you. Can anybody listening is welcome to use that one free of charge. <laughs> you usually get a, just a dirty look actually when you give the answer, but. 
Anyway, I'll give it D for nothing. Anyway. Um, yeah, but United obviously they um, they were coming on well. Obviously, they weren't as good as Red Star Belgrade, no matter what the results said. Um, we, we could all deal with that. But they were looking like they were going to be the best team in England. Uh, Ryan Giggs, we mentioned him earlier on. Probably important at this point to mention the class of '92 um, because they had emerged um, into very serious Busby Babes sort of yeah. reincarnation if you like because they were yeah. going to win the 1992 FA Youth Cup but it was more than that it was more to do with the fact that they were now mature enough to play in the reserve team most of them every week and they were beating mm. veteran teams and a lot of fans were going to watch these oh, yeah. I remember you've told that story about David going to see David Beckham before because yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. you'd heard about the, the sort of well, was it yeah. David Pleat who'd mentioned David Pleat yeah, yeah mentioned it at the, in the press room at uh, at Luton Town after a Luton match and so yeah I went, went to see that team and I was blown away uh, by, by it all I can still remember it I can give you the team if you like Pilkington O'Kane Casper and Neville centre backs Phil Neville left back then uh, Keith Gillespie David Beckham and Nicky Butt hmm. and Scholes in no 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 beg your pardon Ben Thornley uh, completing a four-man midfield, uh, and then Paul Scholes as a sort of off, just off the front, and the centre forward was I think a guy called Richard Irving. Yeah. Um, although I'm not absolutely sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was him, uh, and that was the team, and um, it was just fantastic. Beckham was my favourite, but Scholes was the one that everybody expected to be. In fact, they expected them all to be superstars, and they were all. I mean, John O'Kane, maybe not a lot, not a lot, not everybody would remember him, but he was a bit of a Rolls Royce of a right back. Um, yeah. And he went to Everton. So, I mean, the, I, I don't, I cannot think of a, you know, of, of a generation that produced so much. I suppose Arsenal could hit back with uh, the Rowcastle Thomas. Uh, yeah. Paul Davis, you know, the, you know the generation that won won them the the first league title, well, two league titles under George Graham. They could, um, Tony Adams almost yeah. left him out. Uh, Martin Keown and so on. They, you know, you they could maybe hit back with that, but you know, uh, I think probably uh, Robbie Savage. I've, I've almost forgot Robbie Savage. He had a he had a career and a half. So <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, they all came out of that. Uh, uh, that team and and for you to for you know about nine out of thirteen to to have really good careers at the very top level. Well, I can't think of anything in comparison with that, unless you go back to the Busby Babes. Yeah, um, so the the fruit was beginning to um, yeah, become yeah. very ripe indeed at, yes. um, at that level. Um, and yeah, they were they were battering reserve teams of. Um, of established professionals and that was the key really that mm. it's almost like a, a spoils situation for Fergie because he had he finally stumbled on this really good first team and the youth team was so good that he was already having to think in the back of his mind I mean it's the ideal problem for every manager to have yes. but it's funny because we're talking about something that happens three or four years in the future but he was already having to think about how he was going to accommodate that transition um, and let's talk about it's a theme that's popped up in the last couple of episodes but let's get into that because um, the United gets a League Cup final mm-hmm. against um, Nottingham Forest and 
they play um, the big selection problem. I said problem, headache for um, Ferguson is whether or not he's going to play Neil Webb because Neil Webb is desperate to play against his former side, um, but he doesn't. He doesn't play him, and Webb's now beginning to. They've also had a bit of a falling out because Webb declared himself fit to play for England, and in United were having a few injury problems and. Ferguson didn't like that, so he was already sort of marking his card in that respect. But mm-hmm. I mentioned Webb, and I know he's come up a couple of times. It's mostly favourably because of the the good contribution that he made. But incredible, and I don't think it's more more to do with um, Webb being um, a handicap as such. But his time has come, and this is this brings us to seven big names that Ferguson has signed in this six year spell. Mm. That are already going to be churned through. I mean, there's Jim Lee, and we've obviously talked about him. In fact, all of them have had some decent airtime on this show. Um, Maldonado, yes. Ralph yeah. Milne, um, yeah. Wallace, Webb, Phelan, yeah. Anderson, and Leighton. Seven names yeah. who, who, I mean, a couple of them would be still at the club um, in the following season, but um, it tells you a lot about um, yeah, a lot the of power them. that you had now. Short, yes, exactly. A lot of them were short term signings, you know. It, it happens. Um, uh, sometimes you don't intend them to be short-term signings. I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't know. It's difficult to, to, to know what, what he expected of Ralph Milne, say. Mm. Um, but, you know, age-wise, he, he, you know, he, wasn't, he wasn't too old um, to last. Um, but, uh, yeah, there some, some, some were tied-over signings. People that he, he would have known uh, it w- would be Maldonado is a good example. Even Michael Phelan, possibly, um, utility players, players that you you knew you you, you you need a right back. You know they'll do it for you. I'll, I'll give you. There's a quote from my book about Ferguson. It was no, it was from an interview that I did with Ferguson during this season that we're talking about. Yeah. I was on the Observer at the time, and um, he, he he said. Uh, well, it was it was in confidence at the time. He says, "I've told eighteen players." It, it was a, a game against Southampton. He said, "I've told eighteen players to report to Old Trafford, and I'm hoping at least one of them cries off, because he, you know, like any other manager, he found it difficult disappointing people, yeah. and in particular, he hated disappointing Donaghy because uh, Donaghy just missed the League Cup final as well, and and as Ferguson said, he tends to miss out on the big games." Um, uh, he's the odd job man Ferguson said if you need someone to sort out the plumbing he'll sort it if you need someone to fix the gas cooker he'll fix it he'll play anywhere you like and do a great job but you can't keep kicking him in the teeth and and this was a a very graphic um, illustration of the manager's dilemma and although people often talk about Ferguson's decisiveness and occasionally ruthlessness as as Jim Layton would call it um, you know, he wasn't immune to the pain of disappointing people. Yeah, um, six of those players um, men- mentioned feeling, so we can keep him out of the seven because um, I'm just going to run through the, the League Cup mm. side. Um, Schmeichel, Parker, Irwin, uh, Pallister, Bruce, um, Phelan, oh, sorry, Kanchelskis, Phelan, Ince, Giggs, McClare, Hughes, and the subs were Webb and Sharp. Sharp came on for Kanchelskis, um, like you mentioned, to play out um, some probably on the right wing. And he, he, I think he was coming back from his illness at that time, so um, he, he deserved to play. He was a League Cup hero from the previous yeah. years as well. Um, but there, that's an entire Ferguson side now. 
seven years in. He's completely, apart from Robson, who missed the, the final with injury, um, he's completely oversaw that transition. And also the the six names that we mentioned that he's already you know gone through. And we haven't even gone through. That's not even taken into account, apart from Sharp, the other mm. original fledglings like Daniel Graham and Lee Martin, who's injured, yeah. and, and Russell Beardsmore. The, all of them. It's an incredible turnover when you think about it in that time. Um, incredible in terms of you look back and it's obvious that it happened. But when you look at the numbers and you think of the time that was given to him to do that and, and understanding how many players that you had to go through to get to that stage, mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that people like again recording this in 2020. People don't realise the amount of you know that's two transitions basically one at youth team level and one at first mm-hmm. team level and he's had mm-hmm. to go through to get to this point where they did again win in the final against Nottingham Forest Brian McClare scoring um, to win their I guess second trophy of the season if you count the mm-hmm. Super Cup as one um, but the one that they were chasing Paddy was the league title um, Leeds United have emerged as the challenges like you said um, in the absence again Arsenal have dropped off a little bit Liverpool have on on their decline so Leeds have emerged they've galloped into that um, mm. that position yeah. United, United have um, been involved in ding dong clashes with them they're really good games um, United might even claim to be better than them on a head to head basis and they, they could claim the domestic cup triumphs against Leeds as um, evidence of that however that's counting against United in the long run yeah. because <laughs> the, 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 the their workload yeah and Leeds um we mentioned their fitness earlier. Um, mm. They really, having been eliminated at the from the cups at a fairly early stage, now have just the league to play for. Yeah, and one goal in mind. Um, yeah, it had become a, an attritional, a war of attrition or a, a race of attrition, if you like, but between Manchester United and Leeds. Now, this bear in mind if, you, if you're talking about the title, this is where Aberdeen, where Ferguson had got Aberdeen. This is where he wanted. Manchester United to be yeah. to be in uh, you know to be climbing into the heavyweight ring at the, in the last round mm. with a puncher's chance you know with an equal 50-50 chance of winning and that was more or less how it was I mean Leeds and and, United, and Manchester United Leeds United and Manchester United were sharing the, the leadership all most of the season uh, and that's a, this is where he wanted to be and it you know nobody knew uh, in the last few weeks where the title was going to end up and and that's what that's where Old Trafford wanted to be, wasn't it? I mean, that's uh, you know you feel you, if, if you're in with a chance of something, you're having a good season, and uh, and that was the case. You know, nobody knew. In fact, I, I, I think I've mentioned to you before the, the the interview that I did with with Ferguson as we went into the final run-in mm. of the title, and he he looked at um, there's a chart on his wall as most managers have of appearances and he started counting the number of players who were going to get a league medal mm. because they played in 14 matches or more and uh, he did say if we win it of course I'm, I'm talking about um, of course you know uh, but he was he was hoping they would win it and and he reckoned 17 would get it including uh, his friend Mal Donerke but um, it was it was uh, well, somebody was going to get a medal, um, but it was to be Howard Wilkinson's players, not uh, not uh, Ferguson's, and, and and one of those was uh, was Eric Cantona, one of uh, one of the elephants in the room. 
Yeah, um, Cantona gets a lot of the praise for um, for his influence, mainly because I think the timing of it Leeds had drawn a few games and sort of Cantona's return uh, return Cantona's arrival coincided with yeah. his return to form for Leeds, where um, no, I, I wouldn't say that they were massively convincing after that. They they still lost and drew a lot of games, but Cantona mm. when he played and when he scored, he scored in wins, and mm. a couple of the the goals were exceptional. The, the one that he scored against Chelsea for Leeds, where he flicked it over the defender's head twice mm. and, and shot it. I was like, I've never seen anything like that before. Well, mm. maybe Gascoigne. Um, could do something like that but you hadn't mm-hmm. seen that and um, I think it was the element of something different um, that you thought yeah. Le- Leeds could always do something different they could also stand up to the physicality in a way that um, United possibly couldn't or the way that the suspicion had always been that United couldn't it had always been levelled at United that they were a little bit soft-bellied apart from Robson mm-hmm. and when Robson was injured you could definitely level that accusation even though they had ints in the middle of the park they still felt a little bit like you could get at them and, and that they were a little bit vulnerable so United were also drawing a lot of games in there um, it's interesting you mentioned uh, that he was that Ferguson's thinking about these um, you know all the mathematics of the players yeah. getting the opinions yeah. but he also dropped um, Mark Hughes a great quote um, mm. a great quote from this he dropped him um, United had drawn a few games in They'd um, lost against um, Forest, and it looked like it was slipping away. They were looking for inspiration. I think it was three games in five without a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, they played against Southampton um, at Old Trafford, looking mm-hmm. for goals, and they dropped Mark. He dropped Mark Hughes, and he called it um, a valley of bad form that mm-hmm. Hughes had been in. Hughes hadn't mm-hmm. scored since uh, it, it maybe been five or six games without a goal since um, mm-hmm. and, but he had been in decent form before that. It showed that he wasn't um I think he was more to do with the fact that he'd also dropped McClare for a game and McClare had responded by coming on and scoring and he thought that he'd get that from Hughes but he was looking for this kind of spark within what he had obviously and yeah. um, United were yes we could talk about the increase in the fixture uh, pile up due to the um due to the Cups and then the progress there. But there were problems other than that. It wasn't just a case of saying, oh, the players are getting a little bit knackered. It, though it did contribute to that, United were also having the problem of trying to score goals, trying to be different. And Ferguson perhaps, I, I don't know, maybe maybe you'll disagree with this, but perhaps he, he second-guessed himself a little bit in this title running. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he, th- he changed the system a little bit. He didn't think, I'll just trust the players to see out what they've done. He tried to sort of influence it a little bit, which is yeah. no, no bad thing. He's done that. I, to, I think that was fitness, conservation and yeah. and, and fitness. I mean, the, the mere fact that in the run-in he was 17 players were, were eligible for medals shows how he tried to manage his resources, how he'd had to. Um, because of the second half of the season workload, yeah, self self inflicted, of course. Yeah, as well. I mean, again, it's the right the right kind of um, yeah the right kind of problem. I mean, Hughes had been dropped after the League Cup final, so mm-hmm. it, it was kind of like well, he played in the League Cup final and, and we won, even though he called it a valley of bad form. Mm-hmm. He, he's sort of thinking I can take him out for a bit and bring him on if we need him, um, but then United continued that bad form they drew at Luton they lost at home to Forest they had this game uh, yeah. this run of um, five, five games in ten games uh, five days yeah. five games in ten days they lost yeah. the last three of them um, the final yeah. one of those um, 
Sheffield Sheffield United and Leeds have played this crazy game where did Leeds did they benefit from two own goals or something? It was absolutely crazy mm. at Bramall Lane, and then United played at Liverpool. No, they needed to win. They needed to win um, to, yeah. to stay a chance. And this was one of the if you don't want to if you don't want to lose a game at football at any time, especially if you're Manchester United, especially if you're any team, you don't want to lose it in a crucial game. Yeah. Um, against your bitterest rivals, and that's really? what they did. And that everything in that cocktail happened when we lost to Anfield, um, lost two yeah. nil. Um, but they looked dead on the feet. United. Um, Ferguson's quote from this one: "We battled well at Anfield," and he would later on obviously crucify some of his team's performances at Anfield. But he said on this one: um, "We battled well." Robson and Ince lost their legs and played from memory. We showed courage and pride. And a nice little line here. Liverpool were due to play in the cup final a couple of weeks, of weeks later. Mm-hmm. And when it was obvious that the game was going away from United, he said, I didn't want any... He told the players in the dressing room at half-time, mm-hmm. keep your dignity, don't lose your heads here. He didn't want them to go out and start fouling. He didn't want rash tackles to basically rule any Liverpool players out, you know, out of malice. I thought that's, you know, you don't often hear those kind of stories, and certainly not from Ferguson. So even though things were pretty desperate, he wasn't, and obviously they had frosty relationships, as we discussed before with um, Liverpool yeah. officials. There's a little bit of um, sporting magnitude there from Ferguson. Yeah, that's right. The Liverpool were, were under the control of Graham Souness by now. Yeah. Um, Ferguson had a decent relationship with him. Uh, they went on to win the cup uh, after um, after that. Uh, mm. They beat Sunderland in the final. But I think the key defeat was the home defeat by Nottingham Forest. It's, mm. it's interesting, isn't it? How although Nottingham Forest no longer one of the the true heavyweights, they still uh, they can still beat. The heavyweights on their day, and um, they were a bogey team to United. They were, yeah. yes, they were, and it, certainly during this period, mm. um, and and that was it because that the, the home defeat by Nottingham Forest let Leeds uh, take the league leadership for the sixth time, <laughs> and and the and the last time they never relinquished it from then on, and as you rightly say, they, um, the the final nail was uh, administered at Anfield. A couple of notes. Um, let, let's give Leeds due credit. Howard Wilkinson mm. established a great side. They had a strong defence, physical midfield, classy midfield as well with Gary McAllister. And perfectly balanced midfield. Yeah. Yes, it was perfectly balanced. Oh, Gary midfield. Speed as well. Gary one Speed. of the best of all. Th- one of the best, I would say. One of the best balanced. <coughs> Strachan, McAllister, David Batty, and, Ga- and Gary Speed. Mm. There was a bit of everything there because, of course, Speed gave them a. Uh, a presence in the air, you know. You could get Mel Sterling drifting those crosses in, and, and you'd know that there'd be somebody at the back stick with uh, power in the air. Because speed had a bit of everything, um, but uh, you know, with that aerial power, it was a significant factor. So uh, yeah, good, good, uh, very well drilled uh, team, but with your likes of McAllister. And and Strachan, you know, not exactly lacking creativity either. Yeah, a United team who had not been lacking in confidence at the start of it uh, the season were bereft of it at the end of the season. Um, not knowing if that chance was going to come again. Really, it's twenty five years. That's as close as they've ever come in that time. Um, a couple of close calls under Sexton where they were second but miles off. Um, Doherty never really got them 
close enough there, although the promise suggested they would. Oh, Atkinson yeah. always. Um, Rob Smythe came out with a great line, and a couple of other journalists actually. Um, that United established a knack under Atkinson of finishing third in a two-horse race. <laughs> <laughs> and then they really did. Um, but the one thing they were lacking, Paddy, at the end of this mm. um, was that certain sense of personality, wasn't it? That Personality and confidence. Um, swagger. Swagger. If only one individual could bring all those qualities, it could surely transform this runners-up team into a title-winning side. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.